All right, Ryan, welcome to the show, my man. Drew, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor to be here. I've been watching the podcast for probably years now, and um, I can't believe that I'm sitting here in the seat right now about to be a guest on this show. That's amazing, man. Thank you so much. Um, I got, you know, I want to I wanna hit the listeners with the little intro here. You know, you guys have been making waves, specifically you've been making waves. You've created an event, a physical event, Faded, that's had two shows now. And you're also running the Faded Lives, which is kind of a mind-blowing phenomena, I would say. Uh, you've you've created a platform, not only with the with the physical show, which is an amazing event. I've been to the first one; it's curated nicely. You have great vendors. You had this art component that was very cool. Speakers, which kind of adds like another like more layers than a lot of events. But that yeah. has now like translated into this whatnot live that you're solely running, I believe by yourself currently yes currently just me um i had um two partners helping me with that from the start joe was with us until october and jeremy was with us until november but um a little i guess a little first um little leak of information guys we do have a new host joining us in the middle of january i'm not going to leak who it is yet but i think everyone's gonna be very excited about that that's awesome. That was actually one of my questions for later in the episode, but that's yeah. awesome to hear because I was like, I want to talk more about the live and like the pressures of that and like the burnout that comes with that because I know it's yeah. not easy, especially for you, like doing it yourself. Oh, so yeah. that that live, that live to intro it like has become this like staple in, in the community, right? And it's become yeah. this place where not only people can go and buy great vintage, but also like a place where people can make good money. Right. You've kind of become like a cornerstone for a lot of sellers to really bolster their income. And some probably really rely on what you guys are doing there as a huge part of their income, if not like the main part of their income. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you said that. Um when people ask me what I do now, the first thing I say is that um I help people. That is the Fuck yeah. absolute that's the absolute heart and soul of the faded show is at its very core, we're helping people. We're helping people make money, keep their stores open, keep their dreams alive, and um, yeah. move product at, in a way that I feel is equal, if not better, than setting up at a local market, a pop-up, a regional event, um, et cetera. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's awesome. And and I definitely want to dive way deeper into that. Um, and the other thing that comes with your intro here is, is you know, you come highly regarded within the space. Now, this doesn't come easy, I would say, for anyone because this space is, we're working within a space of business people. There's a lot mm -hmm. of competition. There's a lot of egos involved in this, in this space. There's a lot that goes into this whole world of vintage clothing. And from talking to your friends, from knowing you the little bit that I do, from talking to people that work with you, you come highly uh, regarded and in ways like you, you bring the community together. You're very good at bringing people together. You're very honest within what you do. You're very, you're an honest host. You're an honest guy, you're, you, but you're also very knowledgeable um, about what you're selling and you're honest enough yeah. to, to, to say when you don't know about something. Um, so, you know, I just want to give you kudos to that, that like, thank you, you, thank you. 
<laughs> been doing this enough and the people who work with you look up to you they respect you um so big accomplishment and i'm very excited to dive into all kinds of topics with you yeah i'm very excited to talk about all the amazing things that are happening within the community and just within what i've created in my little micro space within the community exciting man that's awesome yeah um cool so i want to dive into like your history of how you sort of started in the business because everybody yeah. knows you from faded but before i get into that before we jump deep into like the yeah. roots of your vintage career i got a guest question from gavin to fitch he says <laughs> oh, no he says what is your favorite strip club oh boy um cadillac lounge in providence rhode island or um, Madame X in Soho, New York City. All right, all right, nice. Yes, yes, those are two so of my you're, favorite spots. You're a, you're a frequenter of the arts. I um, I do, I do enjoy to indulge in the arts. Nice. Thank you for that one, Gavin. Starting things off hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another another question before we dive dive cool, back to the cool. history. I got a couple of prelim questions here. Um, because of the work that you do with live selling, obviously we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, I really want to make this episode like about the faded show, but also like a, a reference place where people can learn a little bit more about whatnot in general. So I want to like dive deeper yeah. into like the whole whatnot platform, live selling, your tips and tricks on and all that. Of course. Um, uh, so the question though I have though preliminary is, because you do so much work live, you really get a pulse of the market. You really get to see what's selling, what's not selling, yes. what's going up in value, what's going down in value. So the question is, what items do you see currently that are like hitting highs? What items do you mm -hmm. see currently that are like dropping in value? And yes. then also, is there any items that you think are sleepers that like do hit good values that not a lot of people might know about? Yes. Um. Right now, I'm noticing an extreme huge uptick on licensed nine inch nails tees very just in my opinion stuff that's very easy to find even like the hot topic specials from the 90s and early 2000s just the downward spiral with the thing coming down the front that's been selling the past month upwards of 600 dollars every single time and that blows my mind i mean guys buy what you like but that shirt was sitting in every single mall in america from when it was created in 94, probably in certain places that weren't too shopped up until the early 2000s, just sitting there full stock. So that shirt's ticking upward. And obviously, um, 90s alt, um, 90s alt indie um, parking lot tees. We had a Pearl Jam long sleeve. I think it was um, Versus era. Went for like $880 the other day, which was just insane to watch. Cranberries boots going for five $600. Stuff like that is just really, really skyrocketing. So I really feel like that kind of um, just harps on the point of obviously not with the Nine Inch Nails, but with the parking lot stuff, just the unique factor. If there's three dates yeah. on the back, hey, they were only selling that at three different shows. That guy only traveled for three legs of the tour. And stuff like that, the collectors are still coming out and the end buyer is coming out for piece, a piece like that still. Interesting. So you said the Nine Inch Nails licensed one, so it's got to be the licensed one. And I yeah. that, that brings me to a, a topic of of details, right? Like we're gonna kind of get into some nerd, some t shirt nerd stuff here yeah, because this this is what it is, right? It's like 
the differences of a license a licensed shirt versus a non-licensed shirts obviously has uh, value and when you when you get to see these nuances of things that create yeah. more value or more collectability or more interest um and again with like you're saying the parking lot boots of say these 90s all things we don't see a lot of those you see more like great you obviously see lots of grateful dead parking lot shirts yeah. or like other older that's, things that's maybe. A, that, that's a world that's a world of its own yeah exactly so this that's 90s all parking lot thing like you didn't see much these there wasn't there wasn't like parking lot parties at these 90s yeah. rock shows like there were at other shows right yes so i imagine they're quite um, quite rare definitely definitely rare um and they're really cool to see and i feel like a lot of the best ones even though they're created in the u.s have ended up overseas and a lot of the u.s buyers are buying these pieces from overseas bringing them back home and they're going they're going crazier over here Wow. Okay. So any sleeper yeah. items that you, you think the audience might vibe on, like, or need to know, like things that you see moving that potentially not a lot of people would know about? Um, K records, um, bands like beat happening, heavenly halo benders. There is a huge market for that happening right now. And, um, you guys will see, I'm kind of doing my work with that to kind of bring that to the light and kind of shine more light on those bands because they're so good and the shirts are so cool so collectible and they're actually hard to find which kind of that's what excites me now in my terms of buying what i'm curating because i still do website drops quarterly okay for stuff like that that's what excites me it's can i actually find something that i've heard of that i've seen a picture of that i've seen in a documentary an old line sheet an old catalog finding those tees and bringing those back to the limelight but um obviously too um there's a huge uptick on sunday's tees right now luna which is interesting because um galaxy 500 has always been going crazy but luna shirts are really popping off right now cock two twins um drop 19s just all kind of like the more shoegazy um indie of the um early 90s there's yeah, a high demand these for are that. bands like I know nothing about. This is awesome. Dude, you know what's a, okay. weird, a weird one too? People are asking for curved tees every single night now. And that's a question that no one, no one's asked me for that for the past five years. People are bringing up the band Curve, which I'll even say, frankly, I am not a Curve fan, not the biggest, not even that familiar with their music. But I get a request, hey, any Curve every single night. Hey, any Pale Saints every single night. Wow. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Good yeah. to know. Just drop some serious, but, some serious underground knowledge there for you guys. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, that's what I'm personally into more into like the indie rock shoegaze stuff. That's what I collect. That's what I listen to. That's what I love. That's what kind of lights my fire. But kind of just to go back to um the Nine Inch Nails thing, I'll describe what's happening with that band right now. So remember like three, four years ago when Smash Your Pumpkins tees kind of went from that like $150, $200 level up to like the $300, $400 level? Yeah. That's what's happening totally. with Nine Inch Nails right now. It's the same thing that happened with Nirvana like five, six, seven years ago when it went from the same thing, like $150, $200, up to like $400 or $500 range. So I guess like that kind of leaves us. If it's happening with the nails right now, who is it going to happen with next? And that will only be tied into bands that were, I would say, commercially successful and popular in the 90s and created that amount of merch. And I don't have the answer to that, but I would like um, in the comment section when this 
it does air, let me know what you guys think. What is the next band that's going to kind of hit that, hit that next, uh, I don't know, ascend to the next plateau? Hell yeah. I love that question. Uh, hopefully it's a band that I have a box full of in my warehouse so that I can profit off it. But uh, let's see what you guys let's see what you guys think in the comments. You know, off the top of my head, I think like maybe like something like Green Day or like you already yeah. mentioned Pearl Jam potentially had a lot yeah. of shirts. Or um, those are the two that I think of, right? Because yeah. again, like when you, like Nirvana is at the pinnacle of this pyramid, and then it kind of trickles down through like less core bands, maybe or more yeah. commercially successful bands. Who knows? What do you guys think? That's think, an awesome question. I, I, I think you got a point with Green Day. They're gearing up. I think they're doing the 30th anniversary of Dookie this summer, and they're also combining that with the um, the 20th of American Idiot. So there should be a lot of demand just strictly based off of the fact that there's going to be a million Green Day shows this summer. Yeah, totally. And and that yeah. that affects the market, right? Like when, when when bands come back in the limelight, and same with like movies, right? When the movie yep. reissues on Netflix, all of a sudden you see an up, uptick in yep. people wanting the shirts, right? I mean, look at Blink One Eighty Two. Um, this past year, shout out Taryn for that one. But um, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh God, my, my, there was a period um, there. I was like, if Taryn posts another Blink One Eighty Two shirt or or hype post for this, I'm. I'm throwing my phone, um, but anyway, there's that there's that 2001 Blink 182 shirt. It just has the um, Tom, Mark, and Travis's face on the front. Yeah, I think it's 2001, and it got to the point on the live where I was just um, titling the shirt that one Blink 182 shirt that Terry made that Terry made popular. <laughs> nice, and it would still That's sell awesome. every single time, and everyone knew. Everyone knew. That's amazing. Shout out, Terrence. <laughs> All right, so. Uh... One more quick pre-question was uh, from Jacob Starr. Um, a lot of you guys know him. We did an episode of the show. He also has a whatnot show. He's a frequenter probably of the Faded Show. I'm, I'm sure he's buying all the time off you guys on your show. Guys, make sure that you are following um, T-H-R-I-F-T-R-O-W on all platforms. Yeah, he is he is a hard promoter of the lives for sure. He's got yep. his own YouTube. That's He's very, one of the most successful thrift youtubes for lack of a better term thrift vloggers i would say um so his question was tell us about um some of your personal recent pickups your maybe higher price personal recent pickups all right so i recently picked up for myself i got two drop 19 shirts which i'm pretty sure i have the only one of the 1993 drop shirts in the u.s right now but um, just to go back before, um, I've been buying a lot of K Record shirts. Um, I have a bunch of beat happening right now. And if anyone has a Kicking Giant shirt from 95, please message me on any platform I'm looking for that. But those are two okay. shirts that I'm very excited that I have right now. And you said you and do that's quarterly like been, drops on your website, so you'll yes, post yes. collections? Yes. Um, my next drop is January 19th. It's called My Winter Delivery. And then I'll probably do another one in the spring, summer, fall, and then that's it. I'll drop like 100 to 150 shirts each time. And I've been lucky enough um, in the past year, every time I do it now, it sells out within like two, three days. So great, really, really grateful for that. Because I've, I've had the website since probably like 2016, 2017. And it's taken me however many years that is to reach the point where there's enough demand and people are actually interested in tuning in for what I have to offer. And I'm so, so lucky for that. It's, it's not an easy feat 
in yeah, today's I mean, market. I always yeah, I always tell people who are like starting their own websites now, it's like, really, you really have to keep pushing. Like it, t it took a bunch of us years to get any type of traction, people being excited about it, building our email lists up, getting our SEO correct. So when you're looking for stuff, you're going to find us on Google. And you really just got to keep pushing. And I always tell people now too, you kind of have to treat it like um, an artist would be dropping like a single or an album. I always use this um, quote. It's like, hey, like if um, if Tyler, the creator, drops a single, you don't see him stop posting about it after they drop. You have to keep promoting that cycle. And he's going to be talking about that single that he dropped in March in December of the, the same year. So you really have to keep promoting and pushing yourself. You can't really expect people to show up. You have to really let people know and almost force people to know that, hey, I have this website. I have product on it. Look at my shit. Totally. Especially with all the noise happening now, all the choices people have, all the platforms people have to shop, yeah. you know, why are they going to go to your site? You need to make it mm -hmm. enticing. In your case, it's probably that you drop things that they can't find anywhere else, right? In some people's yeah. case, it could be like you have better prices than anyone has anywhere yeah. else or something to get them there. And then, yeah, like treat it like an ongoing effort. You know, a lot yeah. of people I see, I see this and I warn people. It's an interesting topic. I see people who are like, I'm opening a site. That's my big thing. It's going to be epic. I'm going to make all this money. And I'm like, bro. Big like, things coming. <laughs> yeah, check yourself. Like, <laughs> yes, you can open a site in, 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 a, in a week if you really wanted to. It's not that complicated. Yeah. But actually making money on that site is a whole nother ball game. And yeah. becoming something that people are shopping regularly, it takes years and years and years. And that's why like, I feel like there's going to be a downtick in that because there's too many other options like the whatnot where you can, you can make money your first day, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, you're not going to make money your first day on a website drop unless it's so fucking good that people need to buy from you. Yeah. Or unless you've been posting and you have your own niche, like say like your Instagram has hundreds and thousands of followers, then you drop that website or you yeah, have a big exactly. YouTube page, big TikTok page. That's different. Then you're an outlier and you don't really classify into the same category of just, Hey, I'm going to drop a website, like whatever happens, totally. happens. Totally. So I guess that so, kind yeah. of really, um, the point of that is like create your own hype behind yourself and sell yourself beyond, uh, sell yourself with that point. Yeah, exactly. You got to really, you got to yeah. really do the work. Okay. So let's, let's dive into your history. What, what was your first experience in vintage clothing? I want to like, get to the root of like what makes you tick, how you got into this business and then yep. we'll move into like the faded events. Sorry to interrupt the show, but I have a quick intermission. I have some announcements for you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you don't follow the channel, make sure you do on YouTube and make sure you like this video on YouTube. All right. A couple notes you guys should take advantage of here. If you want to listen to the full episode, then what you got to do is jump on the Patreon or join right here on YouTube. This is the free 45-minute version of the show, as always. It is uh, $5 a month on the Patreon, but you get a whole week for free. You get a free week-long trial. This episode goes over two hours long. All episodes go over two hours long. There's so much more to learn from Ryan here about whatnot, about selling live, about the business. Again, jump on the Patreon link down below or click the join button here on YouTube and you can get access 
to the full two plus hour episode. Also, I would like to say we are currently buying at F as in Frank. We're looking for suppliers. If you want to sell us bundles, if you want to wholesale to us, we now have four stores that we need to fill with great stock. So we're looking to buy off you guys. I know the listeners of the show are all vintage dealers. So if you want to sell to me, F as in Frank, I am happy to buy. What I'm currently looking for is Carhartt jackets, real tree shirts and pants. I'm looking for Carhartt pants. I'm looking for knit sweaters. We want good knit sweaters. They're selling like crazy this winter. We want crew neck sweatshirts. We want a good grade of printed crew neck sweatshirts, all styles. Hoodies as well, vintage hoodies. Um, the list is large, so we're buying a mix of everything, guys. If you want to sell to us, Y2K we're looking for. We're looking for baggy pants. We're looking for uh, mixes of Y2K. We're looking for all kinds of stuff. If you want to sell to me, hit me up on Instagram. Let's make a deal. Let's get you guys cashed the F out, and I can get some product for my stores, okay? Again, back to the episode. Sorry for the rambling. All right, so I – Went to college in Boston, Massachusetts. I started there in 2012, graduated in 2017, took like an extra year because um, I was having a little little too much fun in college. But <laughs> in that point, um, I started thrifting. I was always into um, street wear and sneakers. But then I was like, hey, like I really love music. I want to go find banties. So I started doing that. And I started thrifting, got into Polo, Tommy, North Face, Guess denim, et cetera. And I got a job working at a, um, almost like a round two, like ripoff style store in Boston. It was called, um, it was called Thrive. And I started there in 2017 and was there until 2020, like the end of 2020 is when the store closed. And yeah. I, there I was working with vintage every day, buying, selling, picking for the store. It was a multi-vendor shop. And I'm um, just kind of just getting my, um, getting my feet wet and um, learning about it and learning about what people want, what people um, don't want, what I like, which definitely kind of just always circled back and landed on with t-shirts. That's what always, that's what I was taking home for myself. That's what I was buying for myself. That's what I liked. So that closed. And that's when I, um, my disorder vintage page at that point was just like a Instagram where I was just posting like anything. But when the store closed, I look. I went home and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to, um, I have a degree in arts management, but I don't want to get an office job, a desk job. I don't want to work in a gallery. I don't want to do anything like that. So I started selling my own stuff and I had some pretty instant success or just, I don't know, people were into what I had just because, I don't know, imagine, I mean, you know, like I wasn't really selling. I was hoarding for years. So I had huge stacks yeah. of like, really good shit yeah yeah so i guess that kind of really um leads into the first time that i went live because at that point i don't know the instagram live thing started early 21 like was like april 21 right when lockdown hit i believe is when it started yeah that's as far um, as i remember yeah i wasn't really involved with that i knew it was happening i would hear about it all my friends were like yo you gotta watch this you gotta see it's like all these shirts are going crazy you have all this but I wasn't really paying attention to it at that point. But then out of work, I had a lot of free time. So I started paying attention. So the first time that I went live, it was, um, there's a store in Lowell, Mass called Holy Grail. They hosted um, a night. It was more like New England. That's back when I was still up there too. Um, more New England regional sellers. And 
I was one of the sellers. DeAndre from High Society was one of the sellers that night. And I went, I crushed it. Like, I don't know. That was more than I've ever made in like 15 minutes in my life selling vintage clothing. But DeAndre, um, he accidentally joined the live after on his personal page. So nobody was watching. Like the viewership just spiked. Like no one no one on his personal page like knows that like he was selling clothing or anything like that. So he calls me all frustrated after he's like, dude, like that went so bad. Like I need to like figure this out. So I was like, fuck it. Like, let's go live on our own page right now. And the two of us went live five hours later. We're I sold a Nirvana tea for twenty five hundred dollars that night with like Damn. 18 people watching. It was the um the bleach sub pop one. And I'm just like, dude, like, I think we have something here. So then we started together. We had the Boston Tea Party, which you came on once, I believe. And we were doing that for probably a year and a half, two years. And yeah, that's kind of where, know. like, the idea of me hosting and the idea of just bringing on, like, my friends. That's the real key of those Instagram lives where it was exclusive. It wasn't exclusive because, obviously, I don't want anything I do to be exclusive in that sense. Yeah, but and, I mean, like, of course, if you ask me, "Hey, can I come on your live?" I'm gonna say yes, ten out of ten times. But I was kind of just keeping it like fun, fresh, and like within the family and the friends. Ran those lives, and a lot of those faces from those early lives are a lot of the real key people who are now featured on the whatnot lives with me. And I feel like that's another really, really big part of what I do is. I've built those relationships and had those relationships with a lot of my vendors at this point for three, four years now. Yeah. Yeah. So that live. So yeah, I had that. I actually had that as a question. So this is cool history because I didn't actually know that that's what spawned it. And I'm assuming this will lead into where like the faded came, but can you give like, speaking of your core vendors that you've been working with for a long time, people from those back in those days and now, like give a shout out to some of the people that really fuck with you and are coming back time and time again to sell. Yeah. I mean, shout out to, um, Mike gray era, Nick, all over Prince, Rodrigo, crazy loco. Um, we got capital city wares, um, end of the world, fresh kills, vintage future past, um, LNF mediocre vintage evil empire. All those dudes rocking for me from day one. Hell yeah. Is Kelly still on there frequently? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, shout, cool. Shout, so, out, shout out to shout out to Kelly. Shout out to Kelly. He's got an episode. If you guys want to go tune into the Kelly Cole episode, that's a great one. No, he's great got a guy. few. He's got a few. He's um definitely one of my favorite people to have on. He um has really won the audience over too. And um he's gone he's been on whatnot probably three or four times now. And he's really won the audience over. Um just with his, um, I mean, he's one of the most interesting people in the entire world outside of vintage. So when he totally. started like letting those stories fly too, it's thrilling. Hell Plus yeah. me and him, Hell me yeah. and him argue like an old married couple all we go live. So it's always fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It, 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 because it becomes more than just the shirts. Like it's those shows yeah. that are most entertaining to watch are the ones where the stories come out, the ones where we're learning things. The ones yep. where we can watch, even if we have no interest in in buying, right? Like those are the great. Yes, things. yes. I mean, that's one of the biggest things in general is just keeping your viewers engaged and putting the viewer first. That's what I tell people too. I think when they ask me for tips on live streaming, even on if it's Instagram, whatnot, 
anything, put your audience first. Your guest is going to be happy if they're making money. Your guest is going to be like, that's it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like if your guest isn't like necessarily engaged with you, get them engaged with the audience and let the audience know more about them. Get them talking to the chat, get them talking to the crowd. And from that will come the money. And from that will come that fun episode and that good vibe. Nice. There's your first big whatnot tip, people. Get engaged. Yeah. Put the audience first. Fuck yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So continue on Boston Tea Party days. And then like, how does that lead into the rest of what you built? All right. So as Boston Tea Party progressed and grew, it started to, it got pretty big towards the end. Um, It got pretty big. We were having, we had a ton of people watching us on Instagram. But from that too, it's like I'd book six people for 15 minute sets. And just because of the way that app works and how it's not designed for live selling, it would be six, seven hours later, we're finishing. And it was just a lot. I mean, dude, I can't tell you, I, I don't have to do this anymore. If I ever have to do this again, that will be my fucking reason why. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Like, I'm not, not doing that. But um, with that being said, too, um, world started to open back up. DeAndre started to go back to selling in person and putting fo- more focus on that and um, going back into the field, thrifting again. And I was more interested in continuing to live sell and just kind of focusing on my ultra niche, ultra niche t-shirt market. So that's our tea party started to trickle down. And that's what leads us into when I started to work with whatnot, whatnot got involved with faded. And part of our deal that we made with them initially was it was strictly based off of our event. Whatnot is going to sponsor our event, but one of our deliverables was us hosting a live on Whatnot four days a week. Yeah. Yeah. So we had no idea. Did they originally say? They had no idea. We'll jump back to the event. Did they originally know that? Did they? How long was the contract? Like how many weeks of four days a week? Did they want you? Did they say you need to hold through the whole year? No, no, no. The first one was three months. I, we started okay. whatnot in um, sept- late September, early October, twenty twenty two. Okay. Yeah, and the first lives like they they were they were rough. They were rough. We were still learning. We uh, a platform, the new uh, audience, bringing bringing our audience over from Instagram too, and kind of getting everyone involved in that way. Yeah. So if you look back on our earliest episodes, you can't really see them anymore because they're not in the past show thing. They were rough. They were rough. They um, We were just doing more normal classic style. Hey, here's my shirt. Like five, four, three, two, one, like and stuff like that. We were still hosting other vendors, but like it really didn't click yet. Kind of the formula that I have now, the formula that we created, it wasn't quite there yet, but I think I'm trying to remember the exact episode when I decided to um, really speed the pace up. And um, I discovered the um, adding of the buy it now live. That's when everything changed for me when I realized how quick and I really, I guess I would say when um, I really figured out how to use the software that whatnot has for us, the interface is so good, but I think it was, um, who was the guest? It might've been Annie Chang. She came on and um, we just decided to do claims. But I was like, hey, like, let's not preload them. Let's, because that's a big thing too. If you preload your entire set into whatnot, you're automatically alienating and 
decreasing the audience's attention and re- not, you're not going to retain your viewers because they're going to look through the store and be like, Hey, I'm good on this. I'm going to pass. Hey, the prices are too high. Hey, I don't like any of these shirts. I'm going to go on to the next show. We only preloaded the auctions that night, which were all excellent, but we started to hold up the buy it nows and I would quickly type on my um, device and add them in live. And I was like, Hey, like, let's price these pretty, um, let's price everything to move. And I put that first one in and it sold like before I could even pin it. And I was like, Oh shit, this is like a casino now. And people are, we did that all night, three, four hours later. It's the first time we made like a lot of money on there. And no way that's yeah. And that's when, um, I realized, Hey, we kind of have something new here, something different, something, um, something that's exciting me now too. That's crazy. So it's it's a combination of the buy it nows and the auctions and you give us like the formula now because we're we're in we're in the of talk course, so of course. Guys, so you have the, yeah okay go this for is, it this is the formula i'm not gonna hold back any secret sauce this is what makes faded show and what i do unique in its own way and why it's become in my opinion one of the biggest shows in the world it's the idea it's not what is it's what could be that's the entire key to faded show so if i have a guest come on and they have 20 really good auctions preloaded into the store that you could pre-bid on that's going to retain the audience but if my guest comes on and they hold up a a 150 dollars pearl jam tee and they hold it up for 75 bucks and it sells in two and a half seconds. Now we have the audience's attention for at least another 15 minutes, strictly based on what could happen next. Oh, that was half off. I'm going to be waiting now for another 15 minutes to see, hey, is there going to be another steal like that? What else does this guy have? What else could he have? And that is audience retention. That is what we're really good at. All right. The possibility possibility of what could be. So everyone has to bring on a portion of these buy it nows that nobody knows about until the show. Yes. Yes. They can preview some of them, but in like a cover photo, but yeah. Okay. And then what's your, what's your timeline on the auctions? Do you guys, and it doesn't have, it depends on the guest. So you guys do dollar auctions if the guest wants, but if the guest doesn't want yes. to do something else, right? Yeah. I prefer to do dollar auctions. Cause if you're going to start something at, $250 and it's worth $300, you might as well just put up for a buy now and accept that $250 offer. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. So, and what are your timelines on the auctions? What do you run them? One minute, one minute, you, but um, we will do shorter ones if there's a lot of them, but I prefer just the classic one minute. And what I tell people when they trans, when they um, transition from Instagram is, Hey, get ready. This moves a lot quicker than that ever did that one minute. Whatnot has a feature where if someone bids in the last 10 seconds, it resets the clock to 10 seconds. Yeah. But even with that, like the max auction you're going to have on there is like a two and a half, three minute auction, even with that. So yeah. it moves so really you, quick. You guys like there, there's a way to like get rid of that 10 second bump. Yes. Too, right? um, that's, that's, that's called that's like called a hard sudden, stop. Sudden death. Sudden death. Okay. Sudden death. Yeah. We don't, we don't generally do that. But there's a lot of great pages on um, whatnot that do utilize that feature and have, and that's also like kind of like a sugar rush type of show where it's like, 
don't know. It's um, what's the best way to put this? Um, ur- it creates urgency. Yeah, that like adds another level of dopamine hit to yeah to get your bid in. You got to do it. It kind of like gets your blood boiling yep. a little more. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing the formula. Obviously, it's working. Now, yeah. um, again, I want to dive deeper into the whatnot, but let's continue on the timeline. Like, I kind of want to touch on the on the actual events. Yeah, yeah. You know, so faded. Now, you just had your second one in the fall, right? Or when was it? Yes, spring. It was on um, September. September. Okay, and yeah. then the one before that was the previous year, which I went in to, May. which I'll I'll kind of give you my experience of it. Um, what was, what was the, the venue called again? Waterfire Arts Center. Yeah, Waterfire Arts Center, which is the, like shout out to the family at Waterfire. Great venue, very clean, like nice, well lit venue with windows. You're not in like some dark convention center vibe. It's more of like yeah, it's it's a big space, but high ceilings, great light. You know, the, we had a lot of great vendors there. Good vibes outside yep. component where people were like mingling and there was that event had the bail popping, which was like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a good event. It was obviously the first event turnout was like, it seemed pretty good to me. It wasn't yeah. like insane, like a thrift con, but it was like pretty good for an East coast. And I think there's a lacking of some of these events on the East coast. I don't know how you guys yeah. feel out there, but I feel like, you know, Texas gets their share. Yep. <laughs> the West Coast gets plenty of events, but there's sort of this lacking in like the New York, New England area, by my estimates. But um, yeah, and that's anyway, why we love we love yeah. being in Providence and having our event in this weird little city. That the only reason that you're going to be in Providence, like as a, someone who's not a New Englander, is to come to Faded, and we like that. It's like a little oasis for a three day weekend. Totally. And it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Like of right course. near the coast there. It's a great spot. So yeah. Explain how like the, the originally the Boston tea party somehow became like the faded event. Did you meet everybody through the tea party or how did that all happen? Um, no. So um, faded initially started. It was myself, Longston, who is still with us, Sam and Joe. Four of us met. Four of us started decided we wanted to have an event together and we wanted to put the um, idea of the art behind the, the art behind what we are all consuming as one of like the four four, in the forefront of it. So the first show we had the gallery component that Sam curated and put together and did an absolutely amazing job showcasing the, um, the lineage of graphic t-shirts from its inception to present day and we had the art component tied in by featuring the three artists sean taggart joey mars and joe perez and i feel like that really meshed everyone all i don't know it meshed past present and um future can you speak on amazing. quick quickly those three artists like joey mars i know he's done a lot of different band shirts he's done work with like there's a famous Aerosmith tee I can think yes, of that everyone yes. might know. But speak on the other artists. Like what pe- might people know them from? All right. So um, Joe Perez, you might know him from the Kanye West Good Music Cruel Summer album cover. Album cover, The Pusher T, My Name Is My Name. And just a lot of um, He was um, one of the creative directors at Donda with Kanye. 
So he just did a lot of um a lot of like the classic like Kanye stuff he um had his hands in. And on top awesome. of that, just countless other artists. And then um Sean Taggart did um the Jerky Boys art, if you um are familiar with that for my nineties kids, and um a lot of early um New York City hardcore and punk stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah. If you look yeah. up Jerky Boys if you're unfamiliar. It's like the, the the work that he did was like these characters, caricatures of the guys who were the jerky boys. But the jerky yeah. boys itself is fucking awesome. And it's like these original pranksters that would do prank calls and record them. And you could buy yeah. tapes of their, of their phone calls. <laughs> and it's fucking golden. Like it's still holds up this day as some funny ass yeah. shit for sure. Yeah, no. Good guys. Um, okay. So um, – we have a guest question. So from at mid mid dot tease, he writes, yeah. uh, what gave you the idea to start faded? So how did you guys get together? Like, was this just a random, like we're having a beer, let's come up, let's do a show. Like who came up with the idea and like, give us the, the creative process on how this happened. Just the idea of, um, there being a lack of an event in new England and just a okay. lack of event. Um, just having our own event. That's what it really, what really what it was. It's not like a crazy, Hey, like let's take over the world. It's like, Hey, let's, let's try this. We can do this. And from that, it really grew just because of the personalities involved and like the way that we all conduct our business of wanting to have something great. Yeah. We realized quickly that it was going to be great just based off of how ambitious all of us are and the way that we conduct our business. So for people out there, talk about the logistics, what goes into throwing an event like that. Because I know that it's not easy. There's a lot yeah. of moving parts. This is not uh, – it's different than opening a store. It's different than hosting a, a yeah. live show. It's, it's Having an event is so much organization. <laughs> so, you know, give us – the breakdown of your experience and maybe like, yeah, some takeaways from doing those events. I mean, you have first, you have to secure the venue and build your relationship with the venue so that you can work, work together, but also not work in a way that is not collaborative with the venue. That's why we love Waterfire. They're super collaborative. It is at its core an art gallery. So you have that aspect to it too. Everyone there is, extremely skilled and professional in the terms of creating an experience and installation aspect of the event. So obviously that's first and foremost, but second is the hyper-local marketing. That's really what put Faded 2 leaps and bounds ahead of the first one, was we really had our foot in the ground. We were in the colleges, in the malls, in all the local stores, really trying to get people who we don't know to come. That was the biggest difference. At Faded 1, I knew pretty much everyone that I was seeing. At Faded 2, a lot of faces that I've never seen before, people who I've never met, people who aren't following us on Instagram, people who have no idea about whatnot, about our websites, stuff like that. And that's where you really take your event to the next level is when you get just people coming because, hey, we like we like um, vintage clothing. Hey, we just want something fun to do. This looks like a cool thing to spend, cool way yeah, to spend your totally. Saturday. Totally. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great thing to touch on because i think there's probably a misconception out there for people who want to maybe go start an event 
yeah. you know, maybe you have 10,000 followers on Instagram or you, you have a core group of people in the community. That's not really yeah. enough to do an event. It's, it's, it might be fun for you and your bros to like hang out and like trade of some course. shirts, but it's not, it's not going to be successful in the way that you probably want it to be. And, you know, that's great to hear that you guys did that. I wasn't at the second one, but it's, it's cool to see that you did that because that is where like, you know, again, I'm like talking take about that the, next step. Yeah. And talking about the lives, you're like, you're like, it's about the engagement. It's about it, as long as your whole, as long as your guest is making money, they're happy. It's the same with a lot with a, with the in-person event. It's like you, you need your vendors to be happy to continue to come yeah. back, which means you need to go and get those everyday buyers, the people who, like you said, want something fun to do on a Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah. You need to have them and you need to market to them. So that's a whole nother thing that a lot of people don't understand in this business. It's like get the general public involved, get outside the business, get the the, the, the people of the city to come out and support something. Yep, exactly um that's so great, with that man. being said too though, the attendance um doubled at the second event yeah epic that's rad it was great um all right so i want to talk so sam left in the beginning he left after the first year and yes. you recently had joe step down you know he came on and he discussed his side of it uh, i want to i want to hear you know from you like how that's been your experience with uh partners leaving and yeah like you know you get to speak on how that went down with both those guys yeah no um it, it was extremely um extremely grateful for the time working with each of them they're both extremely smart extremely driven and knowledgeable business partners and people and um i wish them both the best but at this point um I'm putting the event forward, putting faded forward, and I guess it's about the next steps. What are we gonna do next? So obviously, I'll let it know, let it be known now. Faded three is happening in September 2024, okay. and we have a very special surprise for everyone this summer. But I'm not gonna speak on that yet. But keep your eyes, ears open, turn your notifications on. We're gonna keep keep moving forward. Okay, great. Was yeah. was like was the the, the recent uh news from joe leaving like surprise to you or were you kind of like it it seemed like the natural progression it seemed time or were you shocked um i was just um slightly blindsided by it but um i wish joe all the best and i'm really happy that he's found his peace and um is moving forward in his own direction yeah i'm excited to see what he has what he has work what he's working on Cool. Um, you know, I've had I've had lots of partners in, in the past, and and lots yeah. that lots that have come and gone, and like, well, no, not a lot. There's been some, um, and and you know, sometimes they end they end pretty amicably, and sometimes sometimes not. Um, but it seems like you know, you guys, it was time for him, and you guys can can go your separate ways, and it's good to hear that like that you and Longston are still going to continue on legacy here and keep faded rocking forward. All right, that brings us to the end of the episode. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, Ryan, for coming on. As you know, this is the free 45-minute version of the show 
what you got to do now to get the rest of the episode, the full two hours with no ads. All ad-free episodes are two-plus hours long. You got to jump on the Patreon. You get a free seven-day trial, and then after that, it's just five bucks a month. That's $1.25 per episode. Crazy for the amount of stuff you're going to learn. Link down below to the Patreon. You can also join the YouTube channel right here on YouTube. Click the join button. I think that's six bucks a month and you can get it there too. You want to be listening to the full episodes ad free. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, regardless of if you want to jump on the Patreon or join here, I appreciate you guys tuning in. The least you can do is like the video, subscribe to the channel. Hit me up if you want to sell me bundles, guys. I'm always buying, looking for you know, all kinds of levels of product for the retail stores. So hit us up. And uh, that's it. As always, FSNFrankVintage.com. Go shop there for 30% off. Use code VTGN stuff. VTGN stuff on the website. Link down below. That's it. That's all. Have yourself a great day. In the words of Dave Heifetz, be happy, not crappy. <laughs>